What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us. This podcast is powered by Stick and Ball TV, the baseball and softball streaming platform. If you're a coach who's looking to get better, then Stick and Ball is just for you. With weekly updated videos from some of the best baseball and softball coaches in the country, it's an absolute no-brainer. Check them out at stickandball.tv or on the Stick and Ball TV mobile app. On today's show, we have on Toby DeMello, hitting coach at the University of Arizona. DeMello joined the Wildcats after spending three seasons at Sacramento State from 2019 to 2021. He began his tenure with the Hornets, serving as the program's director of operations and analytics in 2019, before moving into the volunteer assistant role for the 2020 and 2021 campaigns. While at Sac State, DeMello's primary duties including serving as the team's catching coach, assisting with the hitters, aligning the defense, and coaching first base. And under his direction, the Hornets posted a record of 84-54 and improved their team batting average from 235 in 2019 to an impressive 283 in 2021. DeMello's coaching journey has also seen him make stops at Southern Illinois, Occidental College, and Sierra College. So on the show, we talk about the new staff and new players and the transition to the U of A. We talk about their fall foundational programs, and we go over fall drills, and in particular, their Two Strike Tuesdays. You're gonna love this episode with Toby DeMello. Toby, welcome to the show. JG, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Of course, of course, man. It's it's good to see you again, and and it's uh, it's you're in a different place now than last time. Well, the last time I, I guess I saw your face, and uh, we were out in LA at at Doug's place, and yeah, uh, so great getting to meet you, man. And and I'm excited to to get to to pick your brain today and to to share your content and what you guys are doing at the University of Arizona. Uh, with the world. Uh, but first, I, I'm really curious because I've never really been a, a part of an entire staff rollover. And so whenever Jay Johnson left for LSU and you and Chip got the job and brought all of you guys in, there was a lot of players that stayed, some left. And so I'm really curious on what that looked like, because you have some of the, some of the same players that mm-hmm. were still there. College World Series, great experience. And then you guys come in and it's a like you didn't recruit them. You you probably knew some of them. Maybe you got the chance to bring some guys in late, but it's a really interesting dynamic. And so I I would love to hear just some different things that that you did to really get to know them, to earn their trust and to start to really evaluate who your guys are and, and things like that. Yeah, that's you know, there's it's kind of a layered question, right? Um, sure. Yeah, there's there's a lot of elements to it because I think. Uh, oftentimes when there's a whole staff change, it's because there wasn't success. Um, so, you know, the different parts of that and the different elements of that were, were weird because one, uh, from a coaching aspect, uh, all four of us had never coached together before. Um, outside of, I think, Trip and Chip had coached Team USA together in like 95 or something like that. Um, so there's that element, right, of – of us kind of getting to know each other and how, uh, how we coach and how we go about our business on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then there's the player element um, where you take a team that just went to Omaha and, you know, not all the pieces are there, but they know how to win. So there's a culture that's in place um, that, you know, it's when you, I think when you come in with a new staff, there's gotta be some element of change 
but you also understand that like you're it's like you know if you're taking over google you don't want to just change the name right like there's definitely elements there that you want to keep and, and especially being the hitting coach like i had a lot of conversations with guys hey what do you guys like to do on a daily basis what what are some elements to to your practice plan and to your daily routines that allowed you guys to have success right this is the best offense in the country a year ago so they were doing something right um and you know, like I said, there was, I think, five or six guys who aren't here anymore, but there's still a lot of guys who who are big-time contributors to that lineup, and um, they know how to win. So I think it was, you know, getting to know them, and I think for some of those guys on the player side, it was fun because, you know, it's a fresh start for everybody. And, you know, coming from – I'd been at Sac State for, for three years, and with COVID, a lot of guys got a year back. So there's – you know, we had three years of a really, really strong core group there, and now I'm – trying to get to know, you know, all these 40 new guys. And um, so there were some challenges in there, but it was a lot of fun. And I think this group is really, really close for sure. I love it. And I love hearing that. And it, it not that, that, that I, I do think that it takes a lot to be able to embrace that because, you know, you want to put your spin on it. And I think it speaks to your humility and Chip and the staff's humility to go to recognize that and go, hey, like these guys were really good this year. Let's try mm-hmm. and replicate the things that they did successful with our own spin on it. And I, I yeah. just, I love hearing that. That's great. Yeah. I, I try to, I say all the time, like, you know, it's like Bobby Flay made something and a chef comes in and try it. Like, I'm just going to add a little salt and pepper. Like, I'm not going to remake <laughs> the dish. Right. Like, I love it. It's, you're not, not reinventing the weight, the wheel. I think. And a part of me too is like, I think, you know, from an outsider looking in, like there's, I have so much respect for Jay and Mark Monica and what they were able to do, especially just, you know, specifically on the offensive side and without knowing exactly what they do. And, you know, then you find out more and more and you learn more and more about what they do. And, um, you know, there, there are certain things to it, right? Like you understand why they had success because mm-hmm. there's elements to hitting that I, that I believe in. Um, mm-hmm. They, I think they, they share those, those same beliefs. And then it, it also kind of, takes you a step back and it's like, there's no real like magic to this, right? Like it's hitting is hitting. Like uh, I think, uh, you know, when you look at someone from afar, you think that there's going to be like the secret sauce that they use. And uh, you know, it was, there was definitely certain things that I've, I've learned in terms of like, you know, making quality swing decisions um, and you know, they're after doubles and walks, right. Which who isn't, mm-hmm. um, but, but I think they understood how to teach it and they hit a lot. And, you know, I think in, in, especially in college, because there's so, you're so limited in time. Um, what you make important is going to, to be important to your team. Um, so you just have to be careful of like what you make important because uh, what that's going to resonate through, through your whole roster. And so if you don't make the right things important, especially to what your roster is, um, I think that sets you up for failure. Right. And so like how they recruited and how they did everything resonated to like, they wanted guys with quality who would make quality swing decisions. And, and especially at our yard here, uh, it's, it's not the hardest place to hit doubles. It's a huge yard and there's hits everywhere. And uh, I just think that, you know, I, being a young, younger hitting coach, it was like, okay, there's not a secret sauce, like work really hard to get to know these guys and put them in good positions and let them be athletes. Oh, really, really good. I love, I love that. So let's let's talk a little bit about you know, <laughs> uh, just some different things that that you guys are doing. And mm-hmm. it, it sounds to me like you know 
with with the other things that you agree on with with Jay and then you guys are putting your own spin on it is really just simplifying a lot of things. And, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's not saying that we want them to get their foot down early, swing down simple type stuff. Right. Or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever it may be, but it's just like, how do we he- help them to make better decisions? Well, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, one of the things is to cut out some of the noise that's going on in their brains and for yeah. them to actually focus on being on time and seeing the ball. And so I, I'd, I'd love to hear, like, let's talk about some of the different things that you guys are doing this fall to help with, you know, d- pitch decisions is a, is a big deal. You control the zone a, on either side of the ball. Uh, you're mm-hmm. you're going to be pretty good. And so t- tell us a little bit about that. We'll get into some some Chip Hale, uh, Two Strike Tuesday, Twitter yeah. account, and, <laughs> and all of that stuff. But tell us a little bit about, you know, what what did you start with layering in? And let's rewind back, a, you know, about a month or two and to the first part yeah. of the fall and tell us about what you're doing. Yeah, and, and so we'll touch more on Two Strike Tuesdays. That's that's a staple for us. But I but I also think that's the foundation of, um, you know, like with today's game, like people are okay with the strikeout more than they ever have been. And I'm not saying I'm like, no, don't strike out. Like everyone's going to strike out, and I get that. But I think there's a foundational piece to like being really good with two strikes. You know, like I don't care who you are, half of your bats are going to be with two strikes. That's just an absolute fact. Like numbers say that. 50% of the bats go to two strikes. So why not practice it and be really good at it? So the, why, the reason I think that's a, that's a really good like base foundation and element to our offense is the better you are with two strikes, like the, the better you can be with, with less than two strikes, right? Like I think uh, oftentimes it's hitters, like we're not good early in the count because we're worried about getting to two strikes. So we're like so pressed to, to move the ball forward with less than two strikes that you know, you miss two quality pitches to hit. And now you're like, oh, shoot, I'm 0-2. And then you're a bad hitter, right? Like, well, everyone's a bad hitter 0-2. No one's a good hitter 0-2. That's just numbers tell us that. Um, so if you can lay that foundation of having a lot of confidence with two strikes, then I think it 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 makes you a way better hitter Oh, And, like, you know, then it, you start talking about mindset. Like um, we say, and Howie Kendrick said this, and I say it to our guys now, like, it's – it's better to be 0 and 1 than 0 for 1. Mm, like, I love that. I say that all the time. Right? So it's like it's okay, but I think you have to learn how to be really good with two strikes to, to be really good before that. Um, and I think you get to be more selective and picky if you have confidence with two strikes, right? Like you can look to do damage early in the count. Um, but in terms of like drills and, and things like that, one, we just try to make it really hard on, on a fairly regular mm-hmm. basis. Um, two, we'll do some drills uh, like – I have a, a bucket of balls that I call it the mixed bucket. So there's like those Wilson soft compression balls that they use in T-ball uh, mixed with regular baseballs. Um, so we'll do breaking balls or fastballs off of that and the movement will be different. And um, So you're making swing decisions, right? And I think just the more often you can just force the brain to make a decision while they're hitting, uh, the better you're going to be. Um, we'll use balls that have different colors on them. And they have to say the colors. So we'll start off like take one, hit one. So you take it and say the color and then you hit it and try to say the color. Um, we use it. We'll put a screen out in front of a tee and off a machine and we'll go breaking ball. They have to hit it above the line or take it below the line. You know, fastballs will do a horizontal line and you got to hit the pitch away or take the pitch in. Um, you know, the more often I think you can just uh, make the mind and body work together, right? Because that's what – 
once you, I think you can practice that, then they can work together because I think the best time, you know, when you just take BP, you're not really thinking about a lot of stuff and usually BP is pretty good. Right. Um, so the more you can kind of challenge the brain to, to make quality decisions, then hopefully when you get into a game, there's not as much of a thought process and it just becomes natural and athletic. No, I love that. And, you know, we were talking off the mic earlier just about the, the trends that we grew up with. So, we didn't grow up with a lot of any data. Like I, I don't remember having any sort mm-hmm. of data whenever I was growing up and maybe in like 2014, we had like the ZEP sensor, which, you know, but we, uh, we, we didn't grow up with that stuff. So once that stuff started to, to become popularized, then it was like, okay, now this is almost all that these players are doing now. And just like with any, with, with hitting in general, it's never a, an all size or, or one size fits all cookie cutter approach mm-hmm. of, Hey, like the data may all say that this is the average of what people do, but you also could have outliers that, you know, that are bringing that average back together and none of them actually do that. But you have like two yeah. separate sides of, Hey, this guy does this, this guy does this, and then mm-hmm. the average is this, but no guy does that. So just understanding uh, with, with that. So I, I think, you know, kids need help with that stuff. But yeah. I also, you know, we talked about helping them with the vision side, with the timing side, with the approach mm-hmm. side, with the game planning side. Hey, you know, where were contact points even for timing? Uh, we talked about that earlier too, but it seems like they're getting a lot of the mechanical side, good or bad. It, mm-hmm. you, know, argue, you could argue that one way or the other. But yeah. now the missing piece has flipped from when we played. I, I may be a little bit older than you, but when we played, it was all approach game planning you because that's all we had. Oh yeah, I look younger. Thanks. I take care of myself over here, you know. So, uh, just kidding. But it, it, it's almost flipped now. From mm-hmm. we didn't know anything about mechanics, so that's all that we could do to be able to compete. And now it's the opposite yeah. side of now we know a lot about mechanics, but that's that's they're missing the other piece. So, I don't I don't know anything you want to rant on that about. That was kind of ranty, yeah. so I apologize. Yeah, no, no. I, I think once again that's super loaded, right? Which is uh, <laughs> there's so many pieces to that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think as coaches, I think we're translators. Um, you know, when you watch a, an interview with someone who doesn't, doesn't speak, speak English and they, you know, that's not exactly what they're saying, but you're trying to piece together the, the important things for the audience. Right. Uh, so I think we're translators. And, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, you have blast and rap Soto and Kate, like you have all these things, Trackman, and Yakutech, mm-hmm. All these things, and, mm-hmm. and players have access at our place. We have a um, in our locker room, we have a video room where guys can. I mean, they can literally come in during an inner squad and watch their last at bat. Like it's it's crazy. That's cool. um, and so I, I think there's two ways to go about mm-hmm. it. You can run from it, or you can embrace it. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's how I've always tried to to push that with our guys. Is like, listen. I, I don't want you worried about all that stuff. And I think sometimes like, I mean, I'll talk mechanics all day. Like Mm -hmm. I love the swing and I love hitting. Um, But it's, I think in every aspect of hitting, like you have to be a translator, give them what they, what you think they need and then Mm kind of hide them from, from some of it. Right. And um, we talk about technology, it's all there, but um, you know, what we've really identified and, and I don't know this to be right or wrong, um, but everyone, you know, chases exit velocity and 
and all I think that's kind of been like the the new kind of uh, everyone's off after exit velocity, right? And sure. I'm not saying it's not important. It for sure is. Like the harder you hit the ball at, at a, a certain launch angle, like you have a really good chance to get the hit, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to argue that. That's 100 percent a fact. But how do you create that, right? Like you, I think you always have to keep going backwards until you find that like that one thing. And so for us, it's been just swing decision, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's when you talk about game planning, right? Like you can use sure. the numbers and the data to establish a game plan for each guy. Mm-hmm. And so like, which is weird because, you know, you break down and we show everybody the heat maps in the fall and it's like, it's always the same, right? Like pitchers get swing and miss at the top and around the edges of the zone. <laughs> sure. And that's where hitters swing. Yeah. And then all the hitters hit the middle of the oh, plate. Yeah, middle, middle. Right? Like it's. It's not a secret. No, you know, that's the secret sauce right there. You're you're letting everybody know. Look at for a pitch in the middle of the plate and mm-hmm. hit it. Like move it yeah. forward. Um, but it's and how we do that is we have a point mm-hmm. system. So you you know we get minus one for taking a strike. You get plus one for taking a ball. Mm-hmm. You get minus two for end zone swing and miss. You get minus two for chase. So you know. So what do we make important? Like not swinging and missing in the zone and not mm-hmm. ex- like swinging at a pitch out of the zone. Um, and then you get plus one for in play or foul with two strikes. Like sure. it's the things that we make important and hopefully we're going to be really good at them. Um, All right. I'll, I love it. But that's, you know, blast is blast and rap. Soto is rap. Soto, you know, I, people, I, you know, you watch videos and guys take a swing they look back at the TV and it's like, it's cool. Like, you're mm-hmm. just taking BP. Like that wasn't an 85 mile an hour slider. Like, can you, what are you going to do on that pitch? Cause that's what hitting is. Sure. You know, no, I, I, think. I think, you know, to, to compound with what you're saying is basically trying to find every, like the, the layer that the kids need and what's yeah. going to motivate them to continue to mm-hmm. own their career and their swing. And it's, you know, some guys yeah. are motivated by seeing that stuff. Like, okay, cool. Like some guys, mm-hmm. like I was talking to a kid the other day, I was like, what do you think about in the box? And and he said, can I be honest with you? I was like, sure. <laughs> he, he can hit a little bit. I was like, sure. Of, of, of course. He goes, I really try not to think about anything. He said, once I started thinking about stuff, then it just makes, <laughs> makes me worse. And I was like, well, that's okay. <laughs> like we'll so try that. And, and he, I mean, it's, he knows like what he has to do to be success, successful. And, you know, some guys overthink it. And for him, he may underthink it some, but, you know, it, it's, you hit, you hit, right? That's that's so funny. So I, I get on our guys all the time because, like, it's like that. that's a perfect story. So I'm going to tell you, like, what I say all the time is it's impossible to think about nothing, right? Like, that's not how our mind works. Our mind can't think about anything because that's even when we sleep, we're dreaming, right? Like our sure. mind subconsciously is thinking about something. So when he says, like, oh, I don't think about anything, like, I tell our guys, like when you consciously are thinking about nothing, like you're actually thinking about something you're thinking about. I don't want to like nothing Mm -hmm. is on your mind because it's actually nothing. Right. Like, because if I tell you and I do this with guys like, Hey, JG, think about nothing. And then I say, what are you thinking about? There's probably a lot of things, right. But like Mm -hmm. when you, when you try to go blank mind, a lot of things happen. But I think what, and this is just a guess, like I, th- I think he's probably really good at when he consciously thinks about nothing, like I'm not going to think about anything. Mm-hmm. It actually simplifies his mind to think about that one thing. 
So I tell our guys, like, think about one thing, one or two things to like, that's your thought in the box. And it's, and some of our, like our guys, I say, okay, think about nothing then. Like make that the thing. Sure. I'm nothing is the thing that I'm thinking about. And so it's, (laughs) that's really. I always find that pretty funny. Yeah, no. And and I, you know, once you get through those layers of, of them trying to answer the questions of that you, they think that you want to hear it, then it's like, Mm -hmm. we can actually have real conversations Yes, and and you can get better. And, and that's, that's, that's where we want to go. Like it's getting through those layers of, Mm-hmm. It's no longer like me filling out the lineup type conversations. It's like, no, I want you to just own your career and yeah. give the best version of yourself. And then yeah. we can go from there. But I yeah. do, I do actually have some different fall training videos. Again, uh, we talked a little bit about two strike Tuesday and then yeah. I actually saw the the chart. I, I don't, I don't want to get through without missing this. The, the chart that you guys are using to track swing decisions. One of yeah. somebody on your staff posted that the other day. And so I'm going to try and go back and find that. And then I'll put that yeah. in the show notes just so they can give you, give you guys an idea. Like it's not just some big secret. I, I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, um, no, we, it is, yeah, and it is I'll really share good. anything I have. Like I said, there's no magic. <laughs> I, I try to learn from everybody. So I, I'll talk hitting with anyone and everyone. Oh, I love it. So let, let's start with this. Okay. So this is, I call it the Can, Robbie Cano drill. Cause yeah, this is kind of the drill. first person that, uh, that I remember doing this stuff. So, uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about what this is. Uh, so for the for the listeners on audio, you've got this very large uh, screen that's about halfway splitting the plate and it's got a, mm-hmm. a huge net in the middle and you're doing low flips on it. So I'm, I'm going to press play and you can kind of explain mm-hmm. the rest. Yeah. So and this is Chip calls this the K long drill. K, mm. Kevin Long is, you know, he's obviously been a a hitting coach in the big leagues for a long, long time. We worked with Jeter and uh, Rendon and Soto and Trey Turner and all those guys. Um, Schwarber had his, you know, career turnaround wor- working with him. He's, he's a really good dude and and obviously a good coach. But that I think he's the one who kind of got Cano to do this. Um, and, you know, just to really simplify it, it keeps you connected, right? Like that's mm-hmm. – to, to oversimplify it, stay connected when you swing, don't get disconnected. Um, but I think in terms of like diving into it and, um, you know, the, some, some stuff I always say is just hold your line, like hold your line all the time away, middle in, we're holding our line, we're moving it forward. Um, and so you really have to kind of exaggerate it almost like a golf swing. And Mm -hmm. it really is, um, you have to create a good path doing this to lift it the right way. Um, Mm -hmm. if you work around the ball, you're just going to snap hook it foul. Uh, so this is kind of a, yeah, and you're gonna. It's kind of a key. Probably do this once a week, at once every couple of weeks with our whole team. That's part of our path, pro. I really like it. So one, you know, if if you're listening and you've ever used the term, you know, stay inside the ball, this would probably yeah. be a good constraint to try yeah. and, and use uh, within that because uh, we talk an about easy it. Way I, to, I, at least I talk about it a lot. An easy way to do this in the cages too is that I like. Um, I'll take foam rollers and just put them over home plate, like the soft foam rollers. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, great idea. I think uh, early does this, a, a variation of this with you guys like the pool floaties that mm-hmm. stand out. There, there's a lot of different things you can do in the cage to, to really oversimplify it. Yeah. He said uh, they ruined one of the Tanner tees trying that. So he, he, instead of yeah. ruining a, a hundred dollar tee, he said, I yeah. now ruin $1 foam rollers. Yes. Pretty good. Yes. I got the foam roll and there's been some snapped in half. The guys hit it and it's like, <laughs> that's good. Well, that's let's good. Get the next one. 
All right. So yeah, no doubt. So with this one, you've man, like I love the different mats. So again, audio listeners, you've got like three different mats set up for like a three plate and it's yeah, like, so the big home plate, like the ones that you put on home plate or in the cages that actually have the batter's box lines and the plates on them. I love those, but explain the drill here because this looks like this, this is, this is crazy here. Well, well, this is just one of the two strike Tuesdays, like, I was just feeling a little crazy. I don't I try not to like really <laughs> overly plan it out. I, I try to show up on Tuesdays and like, what's the meanest thing I could do to our team? And I know that sounds probably crazy, but it's yeah. real. I like our so guys this would are be in a there. Like hitting, with rise right here. This like, is literally. Yeah. And I, I can't remember if this was a, we were trying to replicate a submarine pitcher. That was kind of our okay. thought. Behind oh, it. nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so we did this one day with a fastball, another day with the slider. It's like, mm. I think, I think Cooley posted that on Twitter too. Like they showed a video and then it was like a video of Tyler Rogers throwing a slider too. And oh, sick. Um, we've done it left-handed. We've done, I mean, I, I seriously just try to wake up and be really, really mean to them on Tuesdays and and, and try to get them to embrace it because it's like, it's going to be hard today, guys. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. Deal with it. But, but at the same time, there's, there's purpose behind it. Right. And so, and, and when we're trying to hit, we're eventually when we're in the box, we're trying to recall like this library of information that we've had from previous pitchers to be able to make predictions mm-hmm. and better decisions. And so and yeah. unless you've literally seen like a submarine guy, then it's like, oh, <laughs> like that there's doubt. Like there is no doubt that there's doubt in your mind going, holy crap. Like this is, we have be tough, a- but it, it looks like is, can I explain kind of what for the audio listeners? It looks like yeah. there's an yeah. a tech that's, uh, that's just sitting on the ground. Yeah. We took the legs off of a, okay. uh, of a machine and just put it on the ground. Mm-hmm. And and sorry for interrupting, but what were you going to say? No. Oh, well, I was going to say like, I'll t- uh, we have a pretty good catcher. His name's uh, Daniel Susak. So the first day we did this, he, he was getting so frustrated. He slams his bat down. He's like, I'm never going to face this. And so like the jokes, been like he's going to face a submarine guy this year and hit a home run. Oh, and I'm going to say like, we did this just for this at bat, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, cool. Well, the, this next one, uh, you've got, I, I love this one, by the way, because I, I think if, you know, like, like you mentioned, I think we, we text about this and you've got a BP mm-hmm. thrower, you've got a curveball yeah. machine set up right behind. So yeah. I like full disclosure, I really like the two machine, but like the way that people set it up, it's too far apart to really see both really well. But yeah. you've got this actually synced up to where it's at the release point of the BP pitcher. Mm-hmm. And you're dropping it or not dropping it at the same time as the thrower. So it's coming yeah. from the same window, which I really like it. But I'll play it yeah. and you can explain it. Yeah. So I'm about, I don't know, maybe five feet ahead of the machine. Uh, okay. and, and we try to do as best best job as we can to where, like, my slot or whoever's throwing their slot is, like, right on with the machine. Um, and the biggest key to this is having someone on the machine who is good at timing it. Because there's an element in, like, I tell our guys like the difference between a fastball and a breaking ball in a game is probably 12 to 18 inches in terms of like where Mm. it's crossing the plate. So that's really small. And for, for whatever reason, like us as hitters, like it feels like it's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And, and I would say oftentimes like the biggest mistake that hitters make on breaking balls is they're late on them. It's because they see spin and their mind stops for that Mm. long. And that long is probably two feet. So it makes us late on them. 
Um, so there is, a, there is a larger element to that, but the whole point of this is, is really just to one, I think is, uh, to make our move to 50, 50, right? Like, and, cause we haven't even really talked about mechanics at all, which is I'm sure. fine with, um, you haven't, or we haven't, we haven't, I'm saying uh, like, oh, we no, haven't so really we haven't. Gotcha. touched. I mean, just today we haven't really touched on like gotcha. the mechanical aspects of it, but, sure. uh, you know, getting to a 50, 50 position is you know, something I really believe in. Um, and, so even if you can hold that for just a little bit longer, I think it, even if you exaggerate a little bit and it's the same idea again, right. Of skill acquisition is, is a challenge in the brain. Like, you know, we'll do this with guys who are working on swing adjustments. Like, mm-hmm. you know, at, at some point it's got to work on the field. So like, why not throw you in the fire right away? Like if we're making an adjustment with the guy and he takes one or two good rounds off of BP or flips, I'm like, go to hit off the machine and then make it hard. It's, Mm -hmm. it's got to work at some point. Sure. No doubt. The next one we've got here is you've got, uh, it's a, I think, well, it, it looks like you're inside. So I, the video is kind of small, so I'm going to play it so you can explain it and Mm -hmm. then I'll, I'll try and, and interpret it for the audio listeners. Yep. So, and, and I'll, I'll actually touch on again, like, so we use three play drill all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I also like the visual because I, like I said, hold your line. So mm-hmm. it, it gives them the actual visual of being able to maintain their, their hand path uh, on the line of the batter's box. Um, but this is just one of our two, another one of our two strike Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, for the most part, most breaking balls are anywhere between 80 and 85 um, right-handed and left-handed, all fastballs have to be over 95 in terms of timing. So sometimes they're just closer. Um, so it, there's, it's going to be hard. And so what we do here, and you can't really see it in this, but whoever's feeding the machine can turn the machine on and off whenever they want oh, cool. without oh, yeah. telling them. So, um, it's, so this is slider, it just adds slider machine with the extended legs. Yep, slider machine, extended legs. Try to have it at six feet, six feet, yeah, and two feet off. Mm-hmm. So six feet out, six six feet up, and then two feet from set like center of um, of the mound. It's just it's kind of your your average extension release height sure. in off center. Um, that's kind of like our base that we work off, and then we'll move that around. And then as we get into the season, in terms of like game planning, mm-hmm. we'll actually make it the exact exact pitch release point. Um, but for now it's six, six and two. And uh, yeah, just as much as, as often as we can create a challenging aspect, the more uh, I think you're going to retain. And, um, yeah, this is another staple. I think this is probably like 84, 85 mile an hour slider. Mm. Sure. The, the one thing that (laughs) that's, that's tough and it's a filthy slider. Uh, the one thing that, that I wanted to kind of hit on too, a couple of things really uh is with the with the three plate too so the kids i mean like kids want challenge like once they get over the yeah. fact of hey we're we're all like not looking great mm-hmm. and our coaches like we you have even said we're not completely evaluating you off of your cage swings like it, it yeah. it's all kind of going to come out in the wash if you're the best player on the mm-hmm. field like you're, you're gonna and you're doing the right things off the field you're gonna play yeah uh, with this one okay. too like even even with like three plate drill the other day getting a little bit like, so we usually do three, three, three from back to front. And then we do three, three, yeah. three from front to back. Well, hitting a ton of foul balls. Focus wasn't there. Then it was like, okay, you hit a foul ball, you're out. 
but for every, for every swing that you put in play, <laughs> then you moved up a player down. So we just called yeah. it around the world. It's like how many times can you get around yeah. the world? But when we do that, I, I like I I noticed the level of focus that was going mm -hmm. up, and we're getting to the time of year where it's like put up or shut up, guys. Like yeah, we yeah. We're, we're getting into preseason mode. But when you talk about challenging, it doesn't have to be like failure rate at 90%. Like a lot of these guys are hitting hardline drives, but it's mm -hmm. enough to where it's a challenge for them yeah. without it being impossible. Does, does, yeah. Do you agree or disagree with that? No, no, I totally agree. And I, and I would, and I, I would even take it further. Like I, I'd rather err on the side of being too hard. And I know probably a lot of people would probably disagree with that. Um, but I, I mean, I, I played and I wasn't a great hitter, but I remember because I kind of I finished playing like right at the beginning of all this kind of new ideas about hitting and, and training and, and skill acquisition. And uh, I hated the machine like I was mm -hmm. I, I walked away. I was the guy who walked away from the machine. And so I like that's one thing I like don't run from it, guys like that. Yeah. You're going to be like me. You're going to be a 220 hitter <laughs> like <laughs> that's. You know, I, I was always really good in flips and BP, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, well, it's hard. No, I'm not very good anymore. And so, sure. you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? The game's easier? Like, mm -hmm. I, I, that, that's the way I kind of look at it. Sure. Um, that's great. There's, you know, we hit breaking balls every day. It's I don't ever want them to be scared of doing something hard and embrace the failure, embrace the suck, and, and yeah. get better. How do you, how, what is your balance of thrown baseballs versus balls out of the machine? Um, I would say Tuesdays for the most part is all machine just because it's hard to, to really, um, make it game like by throwing it. Mm -hmm. the, the, the one thing we'll throw on Tuesdays is we'll do, um, like I'll get up really close or Tyler will get up really close and it's high fastballs and then we'll do, you talk about three play. Like we do that a lot with two strikes. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll just say you can't take a swing on the same play twice. So it adds an element of timing to it, right? It adds a, an element of, of just change of eye level, all those things. Um, but I would say, and this kind of touches on like the bigger broad picture, right? Like we make one day really, really hard. And then for the other five days, like I want them to drive the ball to the middle of the field. Yeah. So we're trying to balance that, right? Like, Sure. One day is going to suck and it's going to be really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And then the other days, like we're trying to drive, like I call it five to 10. So left center is four or left center is four oh five or four ten, right center is four oh five at our place. Mm -hmm. I love and that. like five to 10, like if we can stay between five and 10, like we're going to be a really good team. And so I think that's where you kind of have that balance of like, you know, this would be dumb, I think, to do two strike Tuesday every day. Yeah, it's too much. So, yeah, and it's like I don't want guys just to touch the ball. Yeah, but that's a great point. But I think if you make make it a balance of like we're going to drive the ball for five days and then another day, like you know, our first baseman is I'd, I'd probably I'd, I'd put him up against anybody. I mean, talk about like eighty power, like mm -hmm. eighty power. Um, and I'm like, dude, if you can like just put the ball in play, you're going to hit more home runs. You have that much power you know you're fortunate where like you can pop up and it's a home run mm -hmm. so like i even think stuff like this works for power guys you know it's not it's just simple math like the more you put the ball in play the better chance you have to get a hit sure. um, 
And then I think from there you practice driving the ball to the middle of the field um, and then add an element to challenge. So to, sorry to, for the rant. So no, to get no, back to your it. point, we're, we're probably – we're probably 60 40 machine to arm i would mm -hmm. say um, okay. just because that's where you're going to get your reps sure so we've got this last one here and this is i, this I can't is tell this is opposite arm breaking ball this is another okay. kind of staple for us um, okay and this might have been on two strike tuesday or, or not okay. i don't know so uh, almost the same setup of the settings just flip the side from the last drill that we talked about yeah. Uh, and six, so what's, six, what's like two. the intent, what's like the intent here? Like what, when, when you're talking about oppo curve balls, what are they trying to do with yeah. this? Yeah. So our, the, the only rules we have on opposite arm breaking balls are no, no rollovers, like no pull side ground balls on opposite arm breaking balls. The only rule we have on same hand breaking balls is no, no oppo flares. So anything you do under that umbrella, like we're, I'm totally good with. So if you take an opposite arm breaking ball and you hit five homers to the pull side, like awesome, mm -hmm. good round, good job. You know, even if you flare five balls to the opposite side of the field, fine. Like the whole point of it is to not um, work around the ball, right? Like we're not trying to, you know, as Doug would say, like hit through everything, hit through spin, right? Um, the more we try to beat the ball to a spot, the, 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 the less adjustability we have. So if we're working around to try to get there, so, I mean, I don't care if we're beat, but if we can still maintain our path and our swing, like I think you just you allow for a, a greater range of error. And really that's all we're really, really trying to do as hitters when we talk about mechanics, right? We're trying to give ourselves the most room for error that we can. And so however you do that, I think is how you, you have good mechanics. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And so with, with this stuff too, what are conversations like when, cause a lot of these guys, the videos that you took, they're hitting foul balls and they're mm -hmm. inevitably, inevitably gonna, you know, they're, they're using the environment to try and figure it out. But even us as good coaches, we need other good coaches to help us become better coaches. So we all mm -hmm. need coaches. And so what are the conversations like whenever you're trying? And this is, again, there's so many layers to this question, but I'm just mm -hmm. curious, can you give us an example of a conversation you had without, you know, you don't have to name the player's name, but just a conversation you had with this stuff that's really hard and some of the different things that you tried or you fixed or what that conversation was like? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and that's been a that's been a challenge, honestly. I think um, the first couple of weeks that I was here, um, we were here as a staff, like, I, I gotta believe that there were some guys who thought I was a little crazy. Like it, Tuesdays are really, really hard. And I can't overstate that. I think I sent you that video when we were getting ready and it was like 87 mile hour left-handed slider. Oh, it's filthy. And, and guys get in there and the first couple of weeks, it was like, there was a lot of throwing helmets and slamming their bats down and I'm like, you guys, you're going to fail. Like, that's okay. I'm not – I don't even watch guys specifically. Like, there's no – there's zero evaluation going on on Tuesdays. It is you against the machine. Like, that – just don't strike out. That's it. Like, I don't care if you stand on your head and you move the ball forward. Like, then do that. So, you know, from an adjustment standpoint, like, we don't talk about two-strike approach. It's – like, I think you just learn that. And, you know, they're – we have a lot of good athletes. So, like – be athletic and move the ball forward. And, and if something works, you know, like some guys have gone to like split grip with two strikes because if they feel like they're shorter to the ball and 
you know, they just find that out on our, you know, by doing it. And, and I think those conversations happen organically because uh, I think you said earlier, like the, once you can get past like players telling you what they think you want to hear, then the real conversations start. Uh, and so I, it took some time to, to really get them to understand that, like, I wanted them to fail. I wanted them to do bad on Tuesdays. And it wasn't because I hated them. It was because I wanted them to fail on Tuesdays so they could succeed Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Like that was the whole point of it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were fortunate enough to, at, when I was at Sac State, we worked with, um, we worked with a company called The Program. And it was awesome. It's a, I'll probably get some of this wrong, but it was, it was retired um, like special ops guys from, from the military. Um, and uh, hopefully Jamie watches this. And if I'm wrong, then you can hopefully give him a plug on the next one. Um, but the program is, is unbelievable. And they came in and they kind of, they're there for two days with your team and uh, they kind of go over your, their, your, your team with you. And there, there was such an element to that. Of like, you know, what was the saying? They always used, it's like, you know, bleed in training. So you don't bleed in war or whatever it is. And same goes in all sports. Right. Like I think Gino Ariema does that with his women's team is like, they'll play six on five. And then once they're, they get good at that, like they play seven on five or, or six on four. Like he just, he's like, I don't care. I make it hard on him. And I would say he's, if you don't think he's a good coach, then you probably you're wrong. <laughs> you know, like that's arguably one of the greatest college, it's greatest college coach who's ever done it in any sport. I mean, there's sorry, I'm ranting again, but there's just so many layers to that. No, that's absolutely. But well, and, yeah, and it's my from my experience too, being the new guy, you know, it's it's being aware enough to be around and to mm-hmm. pour into them without yeah. overdoing it, but also waiting yeah. for them to be ready for the feedback. And so sometimes I'll yeah. be like, Hey, would would you like some feedback with that? And they'll be like, No, nah. like oh, okay, cool. Like I'm not gonna take offense to that. It's your you know, it's your career. Mm-hmm. But eventually you plant the seed like you're talking about yeah. uh, being able to give them that feedback when they're ready for it. And yeah. I, I never miss an opportunity to coach and sometimes they may not be re- ready for it, but at the <laughs> yeah. same time, if, if it is a yeah. big change and it doesn't take just mm-hmm. a, a verbal cue to be able to fix something, which I still use. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't see any problem with that because sometimes it gets them where they need to. And sometimes it doesn't, yeah. but, yeah. Uh, but at the same time doing, you know, what you're talking about of, you know, letting them fail and then, them mm-hmm. having that curiosity of, you know, why did I, and how yep. can you help me through this and with this? I really like that. Yeah. And when, and I think you, you kind of touched on it. I think the, the greatest, the, like the best year that I had in terms of like growth as a coach was I was the, the director of ops one year at Sac State. Um, and so I wasn't allowed to coach. I could, I could give my thoughts at the end of the day to our staff um, but I couldn't say anything at practice where I think as a, as a, the first couple of years I coached, it was like, fix it right now. And, and then make it, make it mechanics, right? Like, Oh, they took a bad swing. Like it must, must've been something mechanically wrong. Um, and then I really, like, I, I started taking notes, um, at practice. Like I would take it on my phone and just like, I would write down so each day like I started a new note saying it was like okay this time I would have said this and then I I would go back 
at the end of practice and go over it. And I would decide if I would still say that after practice or not. And what I found is typically like the things that you want to say only about 10% of them would be said at the end of practice. So was it really that important? Right. Um, because for the most part, the things that you want to correct are the things that you don't think that they would know is a problem. Like, like I think anytime you're trying to correct something that players know is an issue and they know the answer, like you're just losing trust or, mm-hmm. or, or you're, you're creating a divide. Now there's obviously times where you need to just reiterate it. Um, but that's why, that's why coaches are needed. Right. Just to, it's like mm-hmm. teachers. Like, why would you, like, sometimes you just get it wrong. Sometimes you just, you just don't perform well. Sometimes you just miss a foul. Like, I don't need to tell a guy, like, you know, I tell this to our catchers all the time, like, they'll miss a block. And I remember when I was in college, I'd get yelled at, no, you got to block it. Well, like, thanks, man. No no crap, I got to block it. <laughs> you know, like, I actually wanted that runner to score from third with two outs that I, you know, that I had a pass ball on. And, I, like, you don't need to tell me that. I, I got it. Um, so I try not to to overemphasize it. And, you know, I think less is more. I'd rather undercoach than overcoach. Um, and I'd rather have a guy with a bad swing who's a good hitter than have a guy with a great swing who's a bad hitter. Um, and there's just, you know, there's so many elements to being a coach. And, and I think the foundation to all that, like we talked about the foundation to what I believe in as far as being a good hitter is being good with two strikes. I think the foundation to any, any relationship is trust. And, um, you know, for you know, specifically on Tuesdays, it took some time for them to trust me. And I honestly think it took our first, our first couple inner squads to, for them to really trust me. And, you know, I think through our first two weekends, actually in, in, in the whole fall, we walked just as much as we struck out. And, um, I think our guys were like, Oh, this is, this is working. You know, where there were guys who were career, um, you know, 200 hitters with like a 230, 240 on base percentage with two strikes who like are hitting over 300 with two strikes in the fall. And it's, that's awesome. I think it, it took like results to see it, you know, um, which I don't think is always the case, but I think, um, just in any relationship, it's trust because I, you know, I don't care what you can, what you know until I know how much you care. Right. That's sure. That's, that's the biggest thing. So just getting guys to, to really trust you. And, and, and I think to get guys to trust you, you have to trust them. And I, and I think that's, um, and especially being kind of a young coach, I'm not going to try to act and, and fake who I am. Um, I'm going to be real with them, but I'm going to, I'm going to be myself. And you know, at the end of the day, I'm here to help them reach their goals, whatever that is, whether that's baseball or life. Um, but I think once they see that you care and you're there for them, you know, I, I think oftentimes, and, um, this is more of like that social media thing. I hear coaches complain about, you know, how things are now. And, mm-hmm. but on the flip side, like I see all these coaches like post what they're doing on social media, like all the time. And and then they give their two cents on every little, sure. like, Oh, this is how you coach this situation. I'm like, well, I think when, I, when players see a coach trying to progress his career, like that's a coach being selfish. Um, when players see a coach, trying to help progress each individual's career and their teams, you know, putting the team first, like that's when it's good. And 
I think that's one of those issues with with the, that dynamic of player and coach now is because with social media, it's there's so much individualism now and with this whole name, image, likeness. It's creating that more and more for the players and coaches complain about it at times of, you know, not, not being not about the team. And, you know, you see the same thing with coaches too. Right. And so um, just, I I think developing that trust and and really driving home the fact, like I'm here to help you and you get better to be a, whether it's, you want to be a big leaguer or you want to be a doctor or whatever. I want to help you in any way that I can. Oh, really, really good. Kids, kids notice what we, what we post all the time. And I I think Mm -hmm. really with, with teenagers too, and early 20s, even like any, anybody under 30 is really attuned mm-hmm. to if you're authentic yeah. and real. Like I really think because yeah. they have so many friends and so many people that they're around all the time that are not. So they, yeah. they can tell that with us too. Mm-hmm. And so I – No, I you're do. never going to fool the players. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's They see right through you. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review wherever you are listening. I also wanted to remind you that you can find the video portion at the AOTC channel on stickandball.tv. Have a great week.